Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show, where our mission is about serving and empowering you so you make better financial decisions in your life. And how important is that right now? Because there's a term that I used a lot last year, and it was one economists were using a lot, the K economy. We had never had a situation like what started last summer that has now continued where a certain portion of the U.S. population, a significant portion of the population, was in better financial shape than it had ever been and continues to be as we move towards the end of 21. They've continued to be in better shape than ever before. And then a huge slice of the American people have suffered mightily. There's a story in the New York Post that four in 10 Americans have been experiencing serious financial problems over the last few months. I mean, not not like, yeah, last year when all the job problems happened with COVID. Man, I was just, no, this is now, at this point in 21, that people are really having a tough time with their money. And this is um, this is really concerning to me and hurts my heart to see people suffering. And you know, the other thing, people's kids with all the disruption over the last school year, this school year, kids have suffered academically. I you know they've fallen behind. I mean, it is something that. Uh, not just us in America, these things have happened around the world that people financially have really been hurt and their children hurt as well. And we've got some work ahead of us because, first of all, these kids are our future and we need to do what we can to bring these kids back up to speed who've fallen behind. And it's people of all ages in school, all incomes. You know, I saw with my kids, one in high school through this and one in college, that the time period that they were Zoom schooling, if you will, that they didn't learn what they would have normally learned. And a lot of poor kids, they didn't have computers, they didn't have internet connections, they didn't go to school. And so this is these are things as a society we're going to have to deal with. The good news for people that are suffering 
significant financial difficulties, this roughly 40% the New York Post is talking about that report that they've had significant financial difficulty in recent months. The good news is something we've been talking about for a good long time now, and that is the job opportunities available that pay more money that are going to give people a chance to rebuild financially. And, you know, there's always been this thing that uh, people have talked about in the political world and in economics that if people's pay levels go up, that it causes rising unemployment. But we're in a position now because of an aging population in the United States that we're going to be able to have higher wages and low unemployment, at least for the foreseeable future. So there is an opportunity for people to improve their financial lot in life. And as I've encouraged people in all different kinds of jobs and all different kinds of uh, skill levels, this is a time to go out and see what you're worth in the marketplace. Is for the school kids, gosh, I worry about them, Krista. Mm-hmm. What right. you got for me? Uh, David in Washington has a cautionary tale about Turo. He says a coworker just had her third car totaled by a Turo renter. This time the driver was going 99 miles per hour on the freeway in slippery, wet conditions. Three is enough. She's getting out of the car rental business. So your coworker has really, really bad luck. We had one, one post a good while ago from somebody who had uh, put their vehicle on Turo and it was in an accident. But this individual, you know, has had three cars totaled by Turo renters. Wow, the odds of that are ridiculously unreal. Um, you know, Turo provides a certain amount of coverage for the cars that you make available for rental. And if you don't know what I'm talking about with Turo, I'm sorry, I should have said, Turo is kind of like an Airbnb for car rentals and has been immensely popular this year with the shortages of rental cars available from the three bigs, Avis, uh, Enterprise, and Hertz. And those three own almost all the other brands of vehicles out there except for Sixt, which is S-I-X-T, which is its own operation. And so Turo has been a viable alternative for a lot of people looking to rent a car. And there are people who make money as a living buying vehicles that are a couple years old and putting them on Turo as rental cars, running their own micro rental car rental agency. And so I'm sorry that your coworkers had such a terrible, terrible experience. I've heard nothing equivalent from anyone else. And David in California says, my son is almost 18. He's a senior in high school and drives his car back and forth to school. What's the best way to pay for gas? Give him a credit card in his name, use his debit card and replenish via Venmo, get a second credit card from my credit card account? So... If your son is one who follows the rules, having him have a 
an authorized user card from you that is only to be used for buying gas for the vehicle, if that's what you wish, that would be a great potential solution for him to do. And by having him as an authorized user on one of your cards, it will help him establish an identity for credit and he will be able, if he does go to college, to be able to apply for a college student credit card and already have an established credit identity for them to draw on to issue him a card. If your son is somebody you feel like having that card in his hands would potentially lead to spending that you're not happy about, then your idea of using a debit card that you replenish would be an acceptable alternative. Um, Doing it via Venmo is okay. An alternative is you may be able to have a youth account for your son at wherever you bank and be able to move the money as needed, internal transfer right from the banking app or their website right into his account. And then you get out away from the issues of problems that can happen with Venmo, Cash App, and Zelle. This is from Joe in Florida. My wife's 50th birthday is coming up. Happy birthday. Happy birthday. And I want to get her a tennis bracelet. Where would you suggest I shop to get the best value for my money? What are your thoughts on Costco? And if I did do Costco, does it matter if I buy it online or in person? So, Joe, (laughs) okay, so don't think I'm crazy. And I hope you don't find this offensive. But the best place to buy a tennis bracelet is secondhand. Because a lot of people uh, will buy tennis bracelets for someone and they decide that it's really not their thing and they become available and they'll be in great shape. A lot of the sellers of secondhand jewelry sell, do a big business in bracelets and specifically tennis bracelets. Costco is a great place to buy one. I'm also a big fan of the seller's of the lab-created diamonds, and you can get a really nice tennis bracelet with beautiful stones on it that are lab-created diamonds at a lower price even than you would find a real diamond one at Costco. So I don't know that it matters necessarily with Costco whether you buy online or in person. The beauty of Costco is if you buy it online and you're not happy with the quality or the look of it, you can get your money back, no questions asked. Greg in Oregon says, you talked about how you recently updated all your personal banking info and reshared with your wife in the event of your untimely demise. You mentioned very quickly something about the two-factor authentication, but it wasn't clear how she would gain access to this text message that would only come to your phone. Can you share with us how we can do this? Sure. So my wife knows how to get into my phone. She can't get in with my face or my fingerprint, but she knows the um, code, the PIN code to get into my phone. And so she will have easy access to two-factor authentication on my phone. Now, if you're in a situation in a relationship or a marriage where your partner or your spouse does not have access to your phone, obviously that would be a problem 
and, but in my case, that was not an issue, is my wife knows how to get in my phone, I know how to get in hers, and so we won't have a problem with two-factor authentication. If she were to predecease me or if I die first, she'll have access to be able to get the two-factor authentication. Uh, uh, speaking of which, my wife recently started getting texted by a debt collector. She wasn't that happy about it. And debt collectors can make your life miserable. And so many times, do you know they don't even have the right person? And that's coming up. Debt collectors have a very difficult job to do, and many of them in good faith are trying to do that difficult job. You may not know this, but that's how I paid my way through graduate school. I was doing commercial bill collection, and it was a difficult job. And I want to tell you that there's a wrinkle in debt collection that you just got to know. You'll be contacted by a debt collector, and so often it's about a debt that is fraudulent or what's referred to as mistaken debt. LendingTree did a study of three years of complaints about debt collection filed with the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, and just a whisker under 80% of the complaints people filed involved a debt collector contacting them about a fraudulent or mistaken debt. And this is a big problem. The case with my wife, it was a debt that uh, should not have ever existed. It was about a bill for a service that we weren't using. And so now we're having to unpack that and deal with the collection agency. More than a quarter of complaints that people filed about this with the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau involved non-existent or fake credit card debt. A fourth of the time when a collector calls somebody about a debt, they don't even identify what the debt is, what it's for, what it's about. Can you imagine? Now, again, there are collectors doing the job like they're supposed to, but there's a lot of rogue stuff going on. And this is something that I need to make really clear to you. A collector will, in many cases, be threatening about how they're going to mess up your credit, how they're going to sue you, whatever, whatever. Know that you have rights that are clear under the law, under the Fair Debt Collection Practices Act. One of the most important rights you have, you cannot squander, you cannot sit on. From when you have first contact about a debt, a collector has to send you a written statement about the debt within five days. And then you have a strict time limit to dispute the validity of the debt and do it in writing, not by phone. 
if it's for big money, send that dispute by certified mail or send it by regular mail and send it by email where there's a clear record of when that was sent and received. This is the most often neglected step involving a debt that you believe is not valid or is not real is all you do is get into these endless loop arguments with some collector on a phone call. Not going to get it done. You must, to protect yourself, dispute the validity of the debt for whatever reason. Either you already paid the debt in question, the debt never existed, whatever the reason is. The debt could have been, as, as often the case, because of an identity theft issue. But you must stand up for yourself and document. And by the way, if you are being harassed by a debt collector, you have the right to send them a drop-dead letter. And what that means is once you notify them in writing, again, in writing, that they are not to contact you about that debt. They are not allowed to contact you about that debt again by email, text, phone call, nothing. They're done contacting you. They can sue you against the debt, but they cannot contact you any further. If it's a legitimate debt, you still have the right to tell them to, to stop bothering you. Again, it doesn't mean you don't owe it. doesn't mean they can't sue you against it. doesn't mean they can't mess up your credit for non-payment of it. But you have the right to be left alone. All Kristen? right, you ready for some questions? Sure. This one's out there. Melissa in Florida says, I'd love to hear your thoughts on civilian space flight. Would you ever consider purchasing a seat on the new Shepard? I know it's expensive, but could it be worth it to you? Melissa, I love flying on airplanes, driving in cars, riding on trains. Um, the idea of going into space holds no allure for me. Doesn't appeal to me at all. And I'm so glad there are people who have had the privilege of doing it. There are people who is, uh, space travel widens will be able to do it. And it isn't for me at any price. And I know in that publicity thing that Bezos did recently, having William Shatner go up and how touched William Shatner was by it and what a great experience it was for him. Um, if they offered it to me for free, if they paid me to go up in a, a spaceship, uh, not my thing. It was funny, though. I asked my wife, who, as I've shared before, loves everything about Star Trek and particularly Star Trek TNG. If she ever wanted to do that, she said, no, I don't have any interest in going up to space, which surprised me. This question's from Lou in New Jersey. After hearing your recommendation to buy short-term disability insurance, if your employer offers a good deal, I contacted the insurance company my employer is connected with. There were options for term from six months to two years, minimum days out of work before submitting a claim, up to 14, and maximum monthly benefit as well as an option to only be covered off the job. How do I decide the best option? Lou, thank you for asking about this. Now, actually, I'm not, a, uh, I'm not big into short-term disability insurance. 
I'm into long-term disability insurance because there's a much greater chance that in working lifetime, you could face a period of long-term disability than you are likely to die during your key working years. So short-term disability is just what it says. It covers you for a specified, usually shorter term. I'm much more interested in long-term disability that doesn't start for a good long period of time. It doesn't even kick in typically till six months after you become disabled, but then will pay you for as long as you are disabled up to retirement age. And so that is my preference rather than short-term disability. Short-term disability, if you ended up with a period of multiple months without income coming in, it is a disaster without you having a ready supply of money in a rainy day account or anything like that. But it's a minor disaster compared to someone who has a lengthy or career-long disability who has no coverage for the rest of their working lifetime. Now, I know people have pointed out to me that there's Social Security disability, but it is exceedingly difficult to qualify for, and the time period till you finish the Social Security review can stretch into years. And that's why I like long-term disability policies. I like for you to go to a disability insurance broker and get quotes from him or her to see what they recommend for your particular situation. This is from Emily in California. What is Clark's opinion on using a property management company to manage a rental property? Any advice on how to compare or spot a good one? Emily, wonderful question. And people generally find this to be a dissatisfier with rental property management companies because of the costs involved. And I find that in a situation where you have a property that is one you do not wish to manage and you don't wish to sell the place either, hiring a property management company is really a good idea. And it is a trial and error kind of process. If there is a local investors club, real estate investors club, in your area of California, I'd want you to join it and go to meetings, whether they're online right now or in person, and talk to other real estate investors to get recommendations of local property management companies that they like for managing rental properties. Plus, often they'll tell you which ones for you to avoid. But this is a word-of-mouth business, and that's how you find out who is likely to improve the odds that you're going to have a good job done versus who will not. And that's why I like it to be a relationship kind of thing instead of just a shot in the dark on how you find someone. Okay, this actually was a Clark Stinks, but I didn't get to fit it in, so I thought I'd ask it here. It's from Larry. On a recent podcast, you talked about tipping with Venmo and that the amount of cash in your wallet seldom changed. With all the travel you do, I'm surprised the cash in your wallet doesn't change much because I certainly would hope that you tip the housekeeping staff at all the hotels you stay in. 
So, Clark, do you stink or not? Do you tip the housekeeping staff? Yes, I do tip the housekeeping staff. And remember that we keep a supply of cash in our house and uh, in case the Russians or some other state actor take down our electronic methods of paying for things in the country for a period of time. So we have a supply of cash. And after I travel, which I just did, we just replenish my supply of cash that I carry. And I don't remember how much I have right now, Krista. Mm -hmm. But I have ones and fives, tens and twenties, so that as needed, I can tip. And yes, I always tip housekeepers at hotels. They are one of the most overlooked workers in the United States. They work very, very hard in very difficult conditions. I really appreciate what they do. And yes, I do tip housekeepers. And I want to tell you, if we didn't get to your question, or you want advice, you can reach our Team Clark Consumer Action Center Monday through Friday from 10 to 4. You can get one-on-one advice. It is free, something we've been doing now for almost 29 years. The number, 636-49-CLARK. And again, the hours, 10 in the morning Eastern to 4 in the afternoon Eastern, Monday through Friday.